Welcome to Rock Solid Ministries Frontline Servants Program, where we visit with men and women on the front lines of kingdom service. For more information about our free revival ministry or to explore more of our audio and video recordings, visit our website at rocksolidministries.org. Again, rocksolidministries.org. Our guest today is preacher John Mangus of Vincent, Vincent Christian Church in Otwell, Indiana. Uh, John, I met you way back in 2008 when we held our first revival with the Vincent Church. Don't remember how we ended up getting here, but uh, we had a good revival. And now here we are all these years later sharing in our sixth revival together. Uh, sometime back, I interviewed your brother-in-law, Joe Carraway, down in Mississippi. Uh, that's podcast number 86, listeners. And I've uh, really been looking forward to interviewing you and spending time with you. So, Brother John, tell us your story. Well, I was born in a little town of Bluffton, Ohio, and uh, I uh, grew up in a farm in Hancock County and went to different churches, uh, preached revivals there to little country church and I, I went to the altar to be saved nine years old 10 11 12 13 and when I was 14 years old I decided I wouldn't be saved again I didn't tell the preacher I didn't tell dad I didn't tell mom I just decided I'm not going to be saved again that's pretty serious for a 14 year old but anyhow uh my father passed away, and I kind of upset with God and preacher in church, and went off to college and got a degree in engineering, and, and they offered me a job at Solomon or Washington, and Solomon looked like it was further away, and I said, I'll go to Solomon, and uh, I still didn't know whether I was saved or not. I thought about that. Now, this is a church that where. You just go down to the altar and get saved over and over again, type thing. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Right. Uh, where I grew up. Right. We had a revival about once a year. Good singing. I couldn't, well, Jim Straley, I guess. Maybe I, I don't know about that. But anyhow, the uh, uh, guy I worked with, well, I worked with several guys, but the uh, head engineer was church there, and I went to that church, and they held revivals, and they wanted me to go to the altar, maybe try to drag me to the altar, but anyhow, I didn't go. And uh, talked to the preacher and, and uh, just wandered here and there. Anyway, uh, my mother got real sick and then she got well, and I, I'd been living in a rooming house, and, and uh, I decided to get an apartment back then. I guess still today you can be in an apartment in a house and got me. Two or three apartments, same house. You share a bathroom, whatever. But anyhow, you got a stove and refrigerator. Right. And when I was in college, I had a friend that his sister was a home ec teacher, and she took her kids to state fair and did quite well. And we learned to cook a hot dog or a pork chop with a gas, you know, in a gas stove and stuff. So I could, I could get along cooking up. 
workshops and TV dinners and stuff. So I had my own place, you know, and uh, room and, and bedroom and dining room. So I, uh, I was doing myself and this guy I rented the, an apartment from, his, his little daughter came by and said, come go to church with me. And I said, well, okay. And I went to church with her and, and uh, I was amazed, I guess, because uh, I took communion every Sunday and and you didn't go up front or anything, you just, you just passed it. And then I was even, I guess, more amazed when somebody went forward and they didn't go to the altar. They uh, I thought, well, that's, they baptized them the same day, you know, I, that amazed me. And I uh, got to studying a little bit about Alexander Campbell and the rest of them. I read as much as I could, found about it. Anyway, uh, this girl and I, we ran around together. She was a sister I never had, you know. Uh, she had a boyfriend, and she'd fix me up with different girls. And finally, I met uh, this Anna Ray at Camp Ileana. I said, what about her? At Camp Ileana? Yeah. A, a Christian church camp. Yeah, around yeah. here, I, I took a week off, okay? Yeah. Camp. <laughs> and uh, met her, and uh, this girl said, well, that's, that's the girl for you. And uh, we met in July, and we got married in January of 65. Been married, well, this year, 58 years, I guess. So I guess she was the girl for you. Yeah. And we've, <laughs> I helped her raise four girls and a boy. Hmm. I don't know if I can digress here. My mother, she thought I ought to be interested as preacher's daughter. When I was in college, I don't want anything to be a preacher's daughter. <laughs> God must have laughed because Anna Ray and I, you know, raised four preacher's daughters. But anyway, uh, went off to college a little bit. I didn't graduate from Lincoln. And I got a D in speech in high school and in college, so I'm not really a preacher type guy, you know. Uh, I thought, well, I'll see if I can preach if I can, I can. So I started out. At uh, Macomb, Ohio, as ordained at Sullivan in '68, and uh, preached a little bit at Lincoln on weekends, you know. But I was working as an engineer, and I just you couldn't do all. Okay, going to school. So finally, I resigned and uh, went to Ohio in this church, and it's the same county where I grew up. But I didn't know about Christian churches then. Dad sort of did, but, uh, you know, he's kind of quiet, and he wanted to go to a new Christian church there in Finley, which is now quite old, you know, but anyhow, we didn't. Finley, Ohio. Finley, Ohio, yeah. yeah. So anyhow, there I was, and we were there about three, three and a half years, and, and uh, decided to go to Richland, and they uh, uh, accepted it, they were coffee or whatever, and we got there, and, Joe's in kindergarten, started kindergarten there. We wanted to get there before school started, so we did in, I don't know what year, 73 or 70, 72, I guess, but anyhow. Uh, I was there for a while, five years or so, and told maybe we could be missionaries in Haiti. I didn't know it, but I was tone deaf. It's pretty hard to learn a language <laughs> if you're tone deaf. Really? Anyhow, that's Man Ray's told me that. Now, I can sing with you if you're singing lead, I can follow along. But if Anna Ray liked to sing 
in a quartet, and she could sing alto, but I couldn't stay with her, you know. <laughs> I'd throw her off, she'd throw me off. But anyway, uh, that didn't work out. But uh, several people did. We worked with Rex Stewart. He could jabber that uh, uh, Creole, you know, and I don't know what they're talking about. But anyway, uh, I was working as an engineer in Owensboro. Owensboro, Kentucky. Kentucky yeah, yeah. And uh, it's just part time. And uh, there, uh, when I was in Illinois, we built bridges and roads and stuff. And, in Sullivan, we were working on flood control, lakes, dams, things like that. And down in Owensboro, we worked on waterways. We didn't have any lakes to work with or bridges. And I was training this other young kid from graduate from college, uh, Chicago, you know. And uh, Jerry Fair said, "Why don't you Why don't you try uh, Petersburg? They've got good people, you know." And Petersburg, Petersburg, Indiana. Indiana. Right. So, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to, I always try to map these things out because we've got people from around the world that listen, and I try to yeah. <laughs> pull them in and let them understand the, no the geography. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I was from Finley's about 50 miles south of Lake Erie, where I grew up. Okay. But anyhow, Petersburg, and tried out, and uh, they said, you can come preach. And uh, I walked into the office there at uh, Owensboro, and well, my husband said, well, we're just going to put you on full time. And uh, I didn't ask him what I'd be paying, but be paid. But anyhow, it was a good move for kids uh, to go to Petersburg. And uh, all five of them graduated from Pike Central. And that's about 15 miles from where you're ministering now. Is that yeah, right? Right. From, from Otwell. From Otwell, In yeah. Indiana, where we're in a revival this week. Yeah. Right, and... In 2002, I guess, or somewhere under, I turned 65. I retired from Petersburg, and, and uh, my son's in uh, inspection. So far, I do a little bit of that, and a little bit of sub teaching, and the became open, and and uh, I've been temporary here for 19 years. Until <laughs> then. Run into a lot of preachers who are temporary for 19, 20, 25, 35 years. <laughs> yeah, we all are, really. <laughs> well, that's right. Isn't that the truth? About it? Yeah. Well, I haven't really thought about it that way. But, uh, We're all here temporary, aren't we? Yeah. Until I came here. Anyhow, uh, they wanted me to fill out an application or something. I hadn't done that for years, you know. They didn't fill out one and went to Petersburg. Jerry Fair knew the people, and they just, he sort of recommended me and so forth. But uh, I said, well, what do you think about homeschooling, you know, or something like that? I don't know what the question was. But I said, well, i got uh, four daughters, okay? There's Maria, the oldest. She is a preschool, uh, you know, uh, take care of little children and, and she teaches preschool mm -hmm. and actually I think she raised the bar in Pike County on, on preschool and then there's uh, daughter Lynn she teaches at a Christian school and uh, in Thomas Ohio Tree of Life and uh, she taught math and physics maybe I'm not sure but 
anyway, she's she's there. She's still there, and she's an assistant superintendent. And they run about a thousand kids from preschool up to high school. And then there's Amy, and she married an Army Air Force guy, and she homeschools six kids. Huh. And one of the daughters graduated from college, and the son's about a, a senior now. Her son, her oldest one. She got a daughter and another boy, and then she got a set of twins and at the bottom, two boys. And then the baby's Marianne. She said, well, she had a good experience out at Pike Central. She was a paratrooper and all that stuff. So I'm going to teach in public school. And she did. She liked kids and kids like her. And uh, she uh, did quite well, but her husband was a preacher, and uh, he uh, changed jobs, you know, changed churches. And uh, they, uh, she, uh, she quit t- teaching that school. And, uh, you know, this transgender thing, uh, her little daughter is going to be in the fifth grade or sixth grade in Ohio there. They went to the school out of the county because they thought it was a good school, but it'll go on. It's what? So go on. Yeah, sure. Okay. Anyhow, uh, I didn't like that, you know. And uh, it cost about nine hundred dollars. I don't know, it was a month or a year, or what to put them in, a, put her in a Christian school, you know, where there wouldn't be boys in the restroom and stuff. So they wouldn't, because the school she was in, they were do, they were indoctrinating with transgender. Yeah, they were starting to up there. Right. And they sort of backed up from that. You know, they didn't really like that. Right. Sure. And uh, and uh, I don't know how the kids did it. I mean. Anna Ray talked about, I don't know how we'd homeschool, you know. Right. And, uh, but now Marianne, uh, uh, she had a computer and stuff, and she was teach conversational English to kids in China to help pay for the, you know, right. and her husband. And they worked around to where they could put this kid in, in a, a Christian school, free alive for Lynn as a, you know, a, a worker. And uh, then uh, an opening came, and she and Marianne is a counselor in the history of life, not a not a counselor as a, but sort of like help you plan where you want to, what you want to study or work, go to college, right. not a philosophy counselor or whatever you call. It. But anyhow, she helps kids that way, you know. And her kids, of course, they can go now, all three of them, with uh, they don't have to pay the extra. Nine hundred dollars, whatever it is, a month or a year. So, I've been here. Uh, uh, I guess going on nineteen years. Started nineteen years. So and this, you came here after you retired, yeah. and you've been here nineteen years. So, and if I understand right, this would really be your third ministry. Is that right? Well, I was in Macomb three years, and originally five years. Oh, okay. Petersburg, 25. Okay, so one, two, three, fourth. Fourth ministry, and 25 years in Petersburg. That that brings some challenges, doesn't it, staying 25 years in the same church? Well, yes. No, I don't know. Uh, 
guy told me, he said, you, you're, you're no Ben Merrill. Well, I know that because, you know, needing speech and stuff, <laughs> you're a good preacher, you know. Right. But anyhow, uh, I don't know about that. Anyhow, uh, the church has been struggling uh, with COVID and stuff. I was in the hospital with it. Had COVID pneumonia and couldn't walk without a walker and stuff like that, you know. But it's therapy, home therapy, I can, I'm kind of nervous that foot, but anyhow, I can walk about 95% probably in my left foot, you know. Right. Still garden and, and mow and weed eat and stuff. But, uh. Well, Vincent is, uh, Definitely a country church. Petersburg was more like a town church, and uh, and you drive out here from from Petersburg. So you have you lived in the same home all these years? Well, we lived in the parsonage for a while, and of course, you can believe it or not, but they used to park on what, fifty-seven, right? <laughs> okay. Yeah, on Highway fifty-seven. So you can't do that anymore. So we had to park on on. Uh, that little blacktop uh, parking lot there beside the church for like eight or ten cars. Anyhow, uh, uh, we had had a house in Owensboro. We had sold it and made a little money on it. And we we built a house there in Petersburg and tore down the parsonage to make more parking lot. And then uh, the house next door, I guess. Uh, caught on fire or something, and so we bought that. Petersburg bought that lot. And the next house, I don't know what happened. Anyhow, I think maybe did the same. It might have been drug. I don't know what happened. But anyhow, bought that lot, and uh, when we left, uh, of course, they didn't have a parsonage, but they built a, well, they uh, pre-made. Pre it's, it's a nice, you know, has a good roof uh, slope. It's a well-made house there now where which works pretty good and they have a bigger parking lot they have room for several cars now mm -hmm. and, uh, well looking back over the years I, I should ask you if you don't mind uh, how old are you John? well I'm, I'm uh, 84 I'll be 85 in December been around a while been around a while 84 fixing to be 85 and still preaching and uh, let me say thank you because we need men to keep preaching it if they can and uh, uh, your voice is still uh, from the pulpit you have a very strong voice when you get up to preach uh, you tell me that it, it wears down later in the day right. and uh, so uh, it's appreciated because churches are having such a difficult time finding preachers now uh, and and to come here to fill in and stay for 19 years, that, that's a pretty good deal. Thank you. Uh, <clears throat> but you've had some, uh, I'm sure you've had some real blessings over the years being a preacher. Uh, think of what are some of your, your greatest blessings? Well, uh, I worked with some great men, elders. Uh, like I said last night, uh, I went to chiropractor and he, uh, Said something about uh, uh, you, you don't like me or something like that. I'd never seen him before. I, that was a very strange statement. But he was an elder, 
in a church, and I was a preacher, of course, and sometimes preachers, they always get crossways, you know. Right. But uh, the church he was in, I, I knew, actually, I married uh, Harlan Pope, and I had married uh, a boy from that church to a girl from Richland, and uh, they're still married, and his dad was, I think, an elder church, and pretty good guys at that church, you know. So, uh, but anyhow, he was a good man. And uh, he got me straightened up where I could walk halfway walk again and everything and, and uh, turned me loose. He said he couldn't do any more for me. That's been 20 years ago. <laughs> and anyhow, I, uh, I've been blessed with uh, the, the kids. I've got three son-in-laws that uh, or we've been blessed, I should say, and they're not mine. They're, they're God's. But anyhow, one's a retired Air Force colonel and one's a, a preacher there. And... Uh, Westerville, I think, Ohio, and they run. They have like these satellite churches, you know. There, right. Uh, his brother's the head minister, and he's a he's a minister there. And then there's, uh, they're all fifty-one now. I think they'll be fifty-two. There, they're my triplets, but not really mine. But anyhow, I get to right. enjoy them. And uh, the other one teaches at the Christian at the, uh, the Tree of Life School. He's a physics, math teacher, or something like that. And uh, daughter said she'd been there 30, 32 years. I couldn't like, believe it. But she said public school, she'd be ready to retire. Right. But, of course, she'd probably not be retired at the, at the, the Christian school. I couldn't really believe that. But uh, seen a lot of changes in a way with the Government, I guess you'd say. Right. A lot, of, a lot of challenges for her in the school, and yeah. and, and and the public schools, but also a lot of challenges for us in the church. Don't you think, with what's happening with the with the government? Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I've been preaching all those years, and and uh, a lot of work to do. <laughs> Yeah, more work today than than ever before. But your congregation here at Oddwell has always been uh, well prepared, small congregation, but always well prepared for revival when we come in, and we appreciate that very much. Uh, you're, uh, they feed us better than any church I've, I've ever been to. I mean. Well, I can't say than any church, but they, they feed us as well as anyone ever did. And, and uh, uh, good, and I can't believe for a small congregation the, the amount of food they put out every night for, for the guests and everyone. But everybody stays, they stay late. And we have good fellowship. And being a small church, we've, we have more during the revival than you normally do on a Sunday because area churches are good to support and neighbors come. And... Uh, We've had, I was looking back, we've had a number of baptisms during Rock Salt revivals here uh, over the years. Haven't had any this week, but we've had a, a number of them through the years and been blessed to be a part of your congregation here. And uh, so, uh, Miss Anna Ray, was she as ready to get married as you were? I don't know. 
<laughs> she was a widow. Yeah. Doctor's oldest daughter. And we have a special relationship. Glad the way the kids turned out, you know. Right. If I should put that on there. <laughs> well, do you uh, do you plan to keep preaching for a while? Do you hope to, or? Don't know. You know. Just kind of follow the Lord's leading. Yeah. When you look at what's happening in the world, brother John, what do you think is the greatest challenge that new preachers are going to face coming in? The ones who will follow you. Not particularly here at Vincent, but just in ministry. What do you think their greatest challenges are going to be moving forward? I don't know the, what the, what the, can't really say it. I mean, the, the challenge is to preach the word and, uh, believe that and, and of course uh, uh, Satan doesn't want you to I mean he's the father of lies you know and right he uh, I think uh, well let's uh, look at it this way uh, uh, evolution uh, denies God basically Everything changes in a way. I mean, we got what hundred different varieties of dogs, but they're probably just two original. You know, and maybe right. they even came from wolves and so forth. They might right. just end up. Uh, uh, it, uh, to me, uh, 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 the, the Bible, if it's true, it makes sense. You know. Uh, Moses there, he learned all that the wisdom of the Egyptians had. He was taught, you know, he's got, he could have been, I understand, he could have been the next Pharaoh as, as Pharaoh's daughter's son. Right. And uh, and the Egyptians were smart. Now, I don't know that he knew, knew how they built pyramids. They were already there a thousand years when Moses walked around. Right. But uh, the Egyptians were pretty smart. And uh, they had a, an, an idol that... Uh, the sun shined in just the uh, you know, exact time, and they could tell that ahead of time and convince the people, I guess. But anyhow, the Russians moved that idol, I understand, and they built the Aswan Dam, and it's off just a little bit today. I understand. I've been there. But anyway, uh, uh, as I understand it, uh, Moses was taught that the earth was uh, a giant egg that hatched, okay? Which maybe makes sense, you know. There, there's an egg is a complex thing, and uh, the the Babylonians had an idea of Marduk. Somebody got in the fight and flattened out, and where he spit, men and women came up. So anyhow, kind of stranger. But the Bible, uh, the first day, God said, "Let there be light," and there was light. Now God didn't need light to see, did he? Right. But. He did need light for photosynthesis. Mm -hmm. And if you're going to grow stuff, you need uh, that kind of light. Or, I guess there's some kind of lights. But anyhow, uh, he said something about the waters. Uh, you've got the water cycle. And uh, we need that. The water goes up in the air and comes back down. 
And he said, let dry land appear. Well, you've got to have dry land before you can grow corn and trees and stuff. Right. So he let that, uh, made that happen. That makes sense. And uh, uh, he created the fish and the birds. And, uh, on the third day or fourth day, something like that. Anyhow, uh, I, uh, you know, birds are kind of high tech. We built steam engines before we built airplanes, you know. Right. And birds are high tech. And, and I asked uh, daughter Lynn, I think, why did he build, uh, make birds before he made uh, cows and, you know, dogs and pigs and stuff? And uh, I think she figured it out. Because old birds, they, they sow seed. You know, they eat and... Right. Around. God didn't have drills to plant the seeds, so he used local birds. But uh, they really are high tech. And you can say they evolved. But if you look at a baby chicken or a bird, he's got little holes above his beak. And uh, of course, God knew that a higher temperature, more efficient. You, you put a higher temperature in your cars, thermodynamics and stuff, they're more efficient. And so the old bird's flying, his temperature get up to 108 degrees and uh, blood temperature. And, uh, well, what's the brain going to do? Well, those little vents that uh, cool that brain when he's flying. So, do you think a bird figured out his own? <laughs> right. I think God put it there, you know. You can tell me he figured out his own, but I probably won't believe you. I believe, you know, God's a designer and... and uh, Intelligent design, logical order. Right, you know. Right. And after he had the trees and stuff growing, you know, after they, they uh, produced half their kind, you know, we can't even grow a blade of grass, let alone uh, make it produce its own, you know. Right. But uh, you had to have that before you had... Uh, the birds and stuff, and then the animals. And last of all, of course, he created man in his own image, in the image of God, created a male and female. He created them. And uh, uh, the fact that, that evolution has been taught for so long gives us quite a challenge for the future, doesn't it? Because nobody, well, not nobody, but a lot of people, the majority of people have been raised now in this world, believing that there is no God and that everything happened by chance. And when everything happens by chance, then there's no value to life because it just, it was by chance that life is even here. And so now we have the problem of, well, we had the problem of abortion and now we have in California, the problem of infanticide that has been legalized and, uh, this is all uh, new, new ground for preachers that are coming up uh, and some areas that you and I have never had to deal with. And I can't imagine once we're gone what the younger ones are going to have to deal with. Yeah, I've been thinking about that. And, uh, uh, you know, uh, birthing person, okay? Right. Uh, and I've been thinking, you know, they, uh, 
well, our, our daughter, when our son was born, she noticed he was different, okay? Right. And she was, what, two or three years old. And uh, uh, I'm old dad, I've married four daughters and a, and a boy. I know there's a difference. But uh, if you believe in evolution, you can believe that uh, a boy can identify as a girl, and he's a girl, you know? Right. And uh, conversely, if you believe in evolution, you can believe a girl can identify as a boy, and she's a boy. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, if that's really true, if you're pregnant and you identify as a boy, you're no, you should be no longer pregnant. You don't have to have an abortion because you're a boy. Right. But they say birthing person, so a girl identifies as a boy and still have a baby and she's a birthing person instead of a woman or, or a man. And, uh, There's not a whole lot logical to today's politically correct um, direction that we're going. Nothing very logical about it. Um, if I may, <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll say this, now you can erase it or whatever. But uh, I was in the library the other day and I said, you know, our power plant's not politically correct. And she looked at me, what do you mean? I said, well, neighbor guy says it has zero CO2, okay? He's an engineer. He doesn't work there, but he works in engineering company. And I was talking to uh, some people, I can't give you their name, that work there. And uh, I guess they come down from Indianapolis and they, you know, when I was a kid in college, we wiped the mirrors off so that the stack would work and whatever on pollution. That's been 60 years ago. But uh, they come down and well, this, these stacks are, are zero pollution, you know, uh, CO2, just water and steam. And I guess they dirty this. I don't know. But, uh, you know, it's not politically correct to have a coal-burning power plant with zero pollution or CO2. And uh, you have a, your private jet, you fly across the country, I understand that it gets enough CO2 off to equal what? You and I are driving a car for a year. Maybe, right. You know, again, I understand. I haven't done the research on it. But, uh, so uh, to me, if you want to fire up, uh, you know, battery cars, why not use a coal, zero producing power plant, power instead of windmills and mirrors, you know, and covering <laughs> up the ground. But, oh. <laughs> That makes a lot of sense that when, a, when someone who is going to a, um, to a political rally to fight against uh, fossil fuels and they take their private jet to get there, again, not a lot of sense to politically correct things today. Uh, uh, John, I know you and I have got a call to go out and make uh, pretty quick here. And I don't want to wear your voice out before we go out because I, I know you said we need to do this as early as possible before it's gone. <laughs> so um, anything else you'd like to share before we get off? No, only that there's a continual battle between light and darkness and truth and falsehood. And uh, the Bible 
is true. Jesus said, your word is true. And John 17, thy word is true. Depends on translation, but anyhow, it's true. And I, uh, you know, the longer I live, the more I realize, you know, his word is true. And, uh, and it was something I was thinking about, but, uh, well, you have a few minutes? Sure, go ahead. Okay. Uh, uh, you know, I, uh, in the engineering field, and uh, engineers, wire workers, you know, concrete finishers, laborers, I worked as labor and uh, engineering highways, both. And roads don't build themselves, bridges don't build themselves. But uh, anyhow, uh, I like to think of the, the medical people and the, and the construction people, the engineers are alike and, and they're different. And uh, by the way, you don't have to have a degree in engineering to be an engineer. Uh, right. I knew a old farmer that uh, he was very sharp. He didn't go to college, but he was very, very sharp. And, uh, but uh, the medical profession, you know, they work with uh, God's creation, men and mm -hmm. women, so forth, and veterinarians, and uh, engineers, and this type of people we work with, God's creation was uh, concrete, steel, and air, uh, air and water, and so forth. But uh, we, uh, uh, and you know, uh, doctors don't like to make mistakes. Uh, uh, they like to do the research, and run all kinds of tests, you know, before they do surgery. And uh, as builders, we don't like to make mistakes. You know, we, we do research, we run the core. You know, we want to know there's quicksand down there or coal mine or whatever down there. We want to get build a bridge, we go down to the rock, you know. Right. And, uh, and drive piling and so forth and build those bridges. And, and we don't want to bridge to fail or apartment to fail or a rocket or whatever, you know. We do all the research we can to make a success. And uh, same way the medical profession. They, and uh, and we, we just don't like the surprises, you know. Mm -hmm. miss some and folks that's the way it is with the Bible you don't want to be at the judgment so I never knew you you don't want to be surprised there right the worst of all surprises you know so you want to not only read the scriptures but uh, seek to obey and do what Jesus said you know not everyone that says to me Lord Lord enter the kingdom of heaven but he that does the will of my father which is in heaven you know that that mean the exact quote, right? But there was in, that's in John or Matthew, circle on the mount, right? But so to do what what I have told you in the beginning for each person will be to believe that Jesus really is the Son of the Living God, and uh, and confess that before men, because without faith it's impossible to please God, and. Romans 10, 9, and 10 tells us that confession is made unto salvation. So we need to confess Christ. But that doesn't do us any good if we're going to keep on living the same rotten way we've always lived, does it? Right. And uh, Jesus tells us in Luke 13, 3, repent or perish. 
or you all likewise perish. In fact, he says it twice that we need to repent, and that just means turn around, quit going the direction we're going that is away from God, and turn toward God. Uh, and like you said, you got to do what he says, and he says that we need to be baptized, uh, immersed, because that's what the word means, is to be covered up and to go down under. It comes from the Greek word baptizo, which means to submerge, and to be baptized into Christ and raised to walk in a new life. And then we need to live it, don't we? Right, but what Calvary says there in Galatians, right? new life. And uh, uh, if you're listening and you haven't made that decision, I haven't made this offer in a while, but I'd like to say to you, as I do many times, that you need to find someone who will take your confession of Christ and uh, find someone who would biblically baptize you, immerse you into Christ for the forgiveness of sins and the gift of the Holy Spirit, as Acts 2.38 says. Uh, if you can't find anyone, contact us at our rocksolidministries.org address on the contact page. Let us know where you're at, and uh, we'll try to get someone to you. And if you're in the continental United States, uh, if we can't find someone, one of our evangelists will come and we'll baptize you wherever you're at. It's just that important. So do that. Get in touch with us if you need to. Uh, John, uh, I just appreciate you taking time this morning to come in and share with me. Uh, you've been a blessing to know uh, over these years. You too. <laughs> so us, yeah. we, we've had some good times together here. Uh, to our listeners, I'd say that if this podcast is a blessing to you, please share it with your friends and co-workers in Christ. And until next time, this is Evangelist Tom Weaver saying goodbye and may God pour down his blessings on you like a Mississippi rain. <laughs>